This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are here today. I have a really fun interview for you. Today, I am talking with Natasha Wodak. This is Natasha's third time on the podcast. She came on in March 2017, episode 55, and she was also episode 223 in January of 2020 when she broke the Canadian half marathon record at the Houston half in a time of 69.39. Well, recently at the Berlin Marathon, she broke the Canadian record in the marathon running 2.23.12, which was a three-minute personal best time for her. Natasha is a two-time Olympian. She ran in the 10,000 in 2016, and in Tokyo, this last Olympics, she ran the marathon and was 13th place. Natasha runs for ASICS, and this conversation is really fun because we go all the way back to 2016, 2017, what was going on in her life and her career at that point and how much has shifted and changed since then and what changes she's made to get to this point in her career. If you would have asked her in 2017 when we talked, if you listened to that episode, she wasn't foreseeing the marathon being a big part of her career and just look where she is now. So a lot of good takeaways and messages from this episode and she's always so fun to talk to. Friends, this episode of the podcast is supported by Inside Tracker and if you are looking to level up your training and make sure that what's going on inside your body is where it needs to be for optimal training, Inside Tracker is the best place to get that checked out. This is what happens. You get your blood tested, you fill out a detailed personal profile about your lifestyle, nutrition, habits, and preferences. And then Inside Tracker's patent engine analyzes your data to generate science-backed recommendations specific to your body's needs. You select your goal and customize your recommendations that are compatible with your lifestyle. As your body improves, your blood biomarkers change too. So retesting with a new marathon season every quarter, something like that, is a good way to stay up to date on what's going on inside your body. For me, my ferritin, it was okay, but it wasn't optimal. And so I talked with a registered dietitian and she recommended taking a supplement leading up to my New York City Marathon just to bump it up a little bit more so I could feel a little bit better. So if you want to get more detailed information on where your hormones are at, where your blood levels are at, where your ferritin's at, your iron, check out Inside Tracker. Just go to insidetracker.com slash another Use the code ANOTHER and that'll get you 20% off your order for a limited time. That's insidetracker.com slash another. All right, friends, please leave us a rating and review. If you enjoy this conversation today, go send a message to Natasha and let her know that you enjoyed hearing from her and just give her a big congratulations. She is doing some amazing things in the world of running. Her Instagram is Tasha Wodak. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Natasha. 
today on All Have Another Podcast, we have returning guest Natasha Wodak on the show. Welcome back, Natasha. Hello. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, how are you feeling? Are you still like relishing in your huge accomplishment in Berlin? <laughs> um, I am not really relishing anymore. I am very slowly trying to get back into running and it has been <laughs> um, challenging. Yeah, it's uh, I pretty much broke myself in Berlin. I mean, worth <laughs> it. Yes. But uh, it's been a very slow go return to running. Yeah. How long has it been? Is it a bit? It's like a month, right? Um, six weeks. It's, ah. It'll be six weeks on Sunday. Yeah. So it's been five and a half. So Natasha broke the Canadian record in the marathon, which is super exciting. And we have lots to talk about. I don't know if you saw my tweet. I think you did. And I was like, the first time I talked to you, you had done one marathon and you were like, no, the marathon <laughs> is not for me. I'm not doing that again. I did like it. And look at like, who would have thought five years later, this is where you are. Not me. Um, <laughs> not a lot of people. Uh, but yeah, once when the pandemic hit a lot, a lot changed, I think for me and for everybody. And it gave me the opportunity to run the Arizona marathon when there was no other races available. And I thought, you know, not getting any younger. Why don't we just take another shot at it? And uh, it was a whole different ball game this time around. I mean, the last time I'd done a marathon was in 2013. Wow. And I was in a totally different space in my life. And, um, you know, this time around, I was, I just really enjoyed the training, I had a lot of fun and the race went really well. And um, I had always said that, like during that build towards Arizona, that no matter how I did, I still wanted to run the 10,000 meters at the Olympic Games that summer. That was like my A goal. And then just like, a, you know, as I started to think about it, I thought, how cool would it be to run the marathon at the Olympic Games? And so I totally changed my mind. I'm so glad that I did. Trained for the Olympics, you know, place 13. Loved it. It was great. And I was, I was sold that that I wanted to keep doing marathons and I was pretty much over the track. I can tell you that 25 laps, the track, I was pretty done with that. Isn't that wild? Like you just don't know what it's going to turn out to be. You don't know where your career is really going to go. I mean, yeah, that's the great thing about, I think running, it's like our sport is, you know, you play soccer, you play soccer, you might change positions a few times, very unlikely. Um, but with running, like you can evolve into different events, right? You know, I started as 800 to 1500 in, in college. And then I slowly moved to the, the you know, the 5,000 and then the 10,000 and now the marathon. And, you know, I can, I, I go back to 5Ks on the road. And so, yeah, I, I love mixing it up a bit and, and doing some shorter stuff on the roads in my off season. And, but I think the marathon is where I'm meant to be. Where you're <laughs> meant to be. <laughs> But you are a 2016 Olympian in the 10,000. So you're you're a track Olympian and a marathon Olympian. You and Melindy both ran incredible. 13th place. <laughs> tell me a little bit. I know we're going to talk about Berlin, but tell me a little bit about that Olympic experience. Um, yeah, it was hot, uh, as everybody knows. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, like the Canadians, they live in Canada. They're not going to do well in the heat. But um, you know, Canada is like a big country and <laughs> it, you know, 
the climates are very different depending on where you live. And also we get hot summers. So, um, and fortunately for us, our summer was quite warm. So we were able, we, we had one day in June, it was like 40 degrees, 40 Celsius, which is like well over a hundred Fahrenheit. So yeah, I mean, it does get very hot here. Uh, so we, we had a lot of training in the heat. We had, I think one of the best integrated support teams are IST in all the entire world um, is Team Canada. And it was led by who is now my coach, actually. So I might be a little biased, but um, Dr. Trent Stellingworth, who um, is a PhD in exercise physiology, and he led our team on how to create our heat plan. And it wasn't like we started, you know, thinking about it a few months out. Like this was like back in like January, February, the emails were getting circulated on, you know, what we needed to start thinking about, how we were going to do this, what our plan was. And so we had been practicing like ice vests, ice water, special um, drinks, like cooling drinks, just everything for months beforehand. Um, and so also the key for us was making sure we were in Japan two weeks before, not like a week before. So we arrived two full weeks before and I, we felt quite adapted by the time the race rolled around. And I knew standing on the start line that, yes, it was going to be hot but I had prepared 1000%. And I knew that no matter how hot it was, if I followed the race plan and I did what we practiced, I knew that I would run well. And that's what happened. You did. Um, <laughs> I mean, you did. It, it, it was such a crazy day to, to watch what was happening out there. What was your race plan? Um, number one, like you can't beat the heat. You cannot yeah. run like understanding the science, I think a bit like you, it, when it's that hot, you can't be like, well, if I'm having a good day, I'm, I'm still going to run my, my goal race pace. Like that's just not going to happen. It didn't happen for anyone, obviously. And if you do, you're most likely going to blow up and drop out. I think we saw more, more men drop out and more men explode because they went out quicker than we did. Our pace was quite conservative, which I'm very fortunate for because I didn't have to make that decision for the first, basically the first 18 K they went out at the pace that I wanted to. So I was like, this is perfect. So like we had adjusted about 10 seconds per kilometer per K to, for the heat. And I knew if I, if I stuck to essentially that within a couple of seconds for the first like 30 K that I would be okay. But I kind of had this number in mind. If you, if you're running faster than this, for the first 20 K like it's going to be a disaster. So, um, and there was just a lot of research to support all of this. So, you know, I didn't want to try and be that like 1% that's going to beat the statistics. I was like, I uh, know, I know that I can run well if I follow this race plan and that, I know Melinda was the same, right? We yeah. knew. So that's what we did and it worked, <laughs> it worked well. That's so awesome. I heard you say that Melinda texted you before Berlin and wished you best of luck and to run your best race. And, you know, that's a special thing, handing over a record to somebody. And we're seeing that a lot here in the States as well. We recently just had the American record broken. How does it feel to be the Canadian record holder? It's really cool. I mean, it's such a privilege. Like, mm. yeah, it's a little surreal, but definitely um, very cool. And um, to, you know, take the record from Lindy, who I just, you know, look up to. And I have since I was in grade seven. You know, we've been racing each other since high school. So that's pretty cool. But I don't 
I'll be honest. Like, I don't think I'm going to have it for long. Like I'm pretty, pretty sure that next time Melindy has a good marathon, it's, uh, I think she's very capable of being in that 222, 221 range. So, but so am I. So yeah. watch out. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It makes it really fun to watch too. Like to hear you all banter about that. Like to hear you say that is really fun. And she's probably thinking the exact same thing. Uh, but we've really seen a shift like the Canadian women, like you guys are really changing the game and leveling up. And what do you think? Where's this coming from? Oh man. Yeah. It's, um, it's so awesome because for so many years it was like, we we couldn't even field a team to go to the Olympics for the marathon or worlds. We would maybe be lucky to get one person like to even run the standard. And, um, yeah, this, at the Olympic years, we had five women that qualified that hit the standard, which for us was the first time ever. You know, I don't, I can't really explain the shift. I think it's just, you know, back in 2013, we started to see like uh, Krista and Lanny started to run, you know, the marathon and they, they set both went under the previous Canadian record and they made, you know, the world's team and stuff. And it had been the first time in a really long time. And it was like, Oh, wow. Like we can run the marathon <laughs> and we've just kept getting faster. And I think so of the American women though. I mean, it's the same over there. It's just, you guys, I mean, to 18, 20 for Emily Sisson. I mean, it's just incredible. And the number of women that are running, you know, under 226, it's just insane. So I think, yes, we are getting faster, but everybody in the world is getting faster. Do you think though, I mean, you ran 223.12. That's, that's only five minutes. I know only is a big word when you're running that fast, but like that's five minutes from Emily's time. Do you think, does seeing the American women run that fast make you feel elevated? Like I can do that too. Absolutely. Yeah. It's incredibly inspiring. And and to get to chat with Kira in Berlin and we, you know, I was fortunate to be able to sit down and have a meal with her one night at dinner. We both and chat with her and, and uh, you know, she's such a down to earth uh, lady and uh, you know, it, easy to relate to. And you're like, Oh, it's just this regular woman who runs super fast. Maybe I can too, but you know, she's incredibly talented and so is Emily, but yeah, it's uh, very inspiring. And uh, I didn't think I could run two twenty three twelve. 12. Um, so anything is possible. As cheesy and corny as that sound, that was kind of our, our slogan going in. Anything is possible. So um, I'm not going to limit myself and I'm going to dream big and, and hope that I can, you know, get down into the low two twenties. I don't think I'll ever get under two twenty, but hey, you know, you might. I'm gonna keep working. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I love what you say that about Kira. You, you both kind of remind me of each other in a way because you seem to take things. Obviously, you're serious because look what you're doing. Like you have to be serious, but you both joke around and you bring this like lightheartedness to the sport, which I'm assuming is helpful in you achieving your goals. Yeah. You know, Kira's one of my favorite runners to follow on Instagram because while she posts about running, I love seeing like her husband be silly and her and her kids doing their competitions of like Oreos and things. It's just, it's just fun. And running is great and running is serious, but it's not who, it's not all we are. There's so much more to what we do. And that's so important as, you know, one thing is when I, I was having a really rough time in 20, 
uh, coming back from my surgery in 2016, 2017, and I was switching coaches and I was really kind of burned out from the sport. And, and I, I wasn't sure if I wanted to even keep going, if it was going to be that way, this constant sort of grind, the next race, everything was about like running well. And it was just a lot of pressure and it wasn't that fun anymore. And so when I started being coached by Lynn Kanuka, um, you know, she was like, if we're not having fun and you're not enjoying your life, we're going to change something. And that it was when that shifted that the priority was my well-being and what I wanted to do and what made me happy. And if running could do that, then that was great. But if it wasn't, then we would stop or we would change. And so we just sort of shifted things. And with that, even with that mindset, everything changed. And Lynn, I mean, was part of that because she is just the most wonderful human. And every practice and every session was just filled with positivity and joy. Um, and, you know, Lynn was a bronze medalist at the Olympics. So she knows that part of it, that competitive side and that, you know, how to comp- just how to the toughness side, but she also brings this motherly, she has four kids, this gentle, loving side. And she brought it all together and it just was taught me to be this amazing athlete, but to have fun and to have that glass of wine and to, if I wanted to go to a wedding one weekend or whatever, it wasn't like, no, you can't go because you'll miss your training. It would be like, okay, where are you going? Let's look like, let's figure out the running routes around there and make it happen. So I liked that I could still do all the things I wanted to do, make running a part of it, but you know, you have to enjoy your life and you have to do what you want to do. And if you can also be successful in running, I've been very fortunate that I've been able to sort of do it all. I mean, people follow me on Instagram. You know, I've had a couple of people say I drink too much. Okay. Like you can see my glass of wine or whatever. I'm not getting drunk, but yeah, I do like to have wine. I do like to eat chocolate. I do like to go out with my girlfriends and do all these things. Like that's what makes me happy. And that's what works for me. And I find if I don't do those things, I get, you know, a little obsessed with the running and that's not a good, that's not a good thing for me. So got to have fun, got to live your life. In that time period, like 2016, 2017, was there a time that you weren't doing those things? Like, were you sacrificing that to an extent that was really affecting your joy? Yeah. So basically from 2015 to 2016, I had run the Olympic standard in Peyton Jordan in 2015. And like in Canada, we don't really have a trials for the 10,000. It's like just if you have standard in your top three, you go. And like, I knew that there'd probably be, there would not be four women that ran the Olympic standard in the 10,000. So it was sort of a waiting game. Like Lani Marchant and I ran that standard that day. And we just waited to see if anyone else would run it. And so I kind of knew I was, I'd made the Olympics really far in advance. And it was, I had got a stress fracture and it was just like, just so much pressure and, I just was really in an unhappy place in my life. Like running was, if I didn't run well, it really affected everything else. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, I, I actually sat down. I mean, I, I've talked about this many times, the pressure I felt. And, you know, I told some of my friends, I didn't even want to go to the Olympics. It was just too much. And yeah, I ended up, you know, having to to see a counselor and and getting things sorted out and and getting my sleep sorted and and everything. And I went to the Olympics and it was good. It wasn't anything over the top. It was good. And I came home and I got injured again and had surgery on my foot and was like, this just sucks. Like this is just an endless cycle of 
like anxiety and injuries. And I wasn't clicking with my coach at the time. I didn't, I wasn't fitting with my team. It just wasn't great. And so a lot changed <laughs> in 2016. I, you know, I got my part. I, that's when I met my partner who I'm with now. Um, and fortunate for me, he's an orthopedic surgeon. Um, <laughs> that's not why we met. <laughs> We met on a blind date. Actually. You weren't his patient. <laughs> no, we met on a blind date, which is super random. And and uh, yeah, he looked at my MRI and was like, "Oh wow, yeah, your foot's kind of a mess." And since then, he's been super helpful in in getting me on the right track and um, encouraging me. And then being with Lynn has just been a game changer and changing that mindset and and having a lot more fun with it. And and also realizing like after the Olympics in 2016, like. I kind of was like, well, I've done everything that I wanted to. And now everything is sort of icing on the cake. And so that's the way I've looked at it is everything that I do is sort of like, I've already done everything that I want to do at this stage. And so I'm just running for like, purely like I can test my limits a bit more and there's not this pressure. It's just like, and if I don't run well, well, it doesn't matter. Like the sun comes up tomorrow. I come home to my home, to my cats, everything's fine. And whereas I felt before, like if I didn't run well, it would be like, I'm not going to get a contract here next year, or I'm not going to do this, or I'm not going to be able to like pay my bills and things like that. Like that's the reality of it. When you're living off of like, if your perf- your performance is like not well, you might not get paid. So, yeah, that Gosh, that's stressful. When yeah. I first interviewed you, I didn't look up the date, but it must have been 2017. So it's crazy for me to hear you talk about this because I don't think I knew how in the- you were in the throes of that in that time period. And I don't think I realized that, um, but you had just met your partner. I think it was like early on, like you guys Aww. were early on dating. I remember you were like, yeah, we're staying in this like house. You were like on a houseboat or something. Do you remember yes, that? Yes, we were. Yes. We, it was a float home. A float home. And I was like, what's a float home? Yes. Um, but it's so beautiful to see that that relationship has, has come this far and that everything is so great between you guys and you're, career has elevated and moved in this way that, I mean, I just distinctly remember, like, I'm not a marathoner. You'd run like a 234, I think. Was that your first marathon? 235. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it just goes to say that, like, no one can predict what the next five years is going to look like. You think, you know, or you think you have a plan and it's, you would have never known in that moment that this was going to be it you were going to be a marathoner, an Olympian in the marathon. I'm just so happy for you. I'm rambling. Oh, thank you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm very, very happy. And I, I look back at like 20, you know, after my divorce in 2013 and those years, many years where I just, it was just such a struggle. And sometimes I sit here and, and I'm just like, I'm so happy. And I like have to pinch myself, you know, and, I have a lot of single girlfriends that are in their thirties that are like, this is the worst. And like, you know, also like other like struggling athletes that are like working part-time, trying to make ends meet, trying to race. And like, I just remember those, those times and it's so tough and like, you can get through it guys, (laughs) you know, and it makes it so much sweeter when you've had that struggle and you know, you start running the times, you know, you can and having those big races and going to the Olympics and those things, it makes it all worthwhile. And, you know, all those years, I didn't get funding from Athletics Canada. And I was 
serving at a restaurant five nights a week. And, you know, I've been fortunate now that I've been funded by Athletics Canada for, I think this is my sixth year now. And that's a huge, like, that's a huge amount of money that is a big game changer. And so, and also like the the marathon is where the money's at. I can say that. Yeah. (laughs) So that's been, that's been really, really nice to like, um, you know, finally be able to make a bit of money in the sport and, and get a good contract. And it just takes the pressure off. Like I don't have, you know, my contract is great. I don't have to really worry about my performances or how many races I run in a year, like things like that. I just get paid a salary. I mean, great bonus structure, but like, uh, it's just, it's incredible to be where I am now. I didn't, I just, for so long, I didn't, I couldn't see like, it was like, will it ever happen? You know, will I make it as a professional runner? And so, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very fortunate. And, and to all those young struggling runners, keep at it. Don't give up and to young single girls in your thirties. You will meet a nice guy. They are out there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what an immense amount of pressure to have though, to feel like I have to win this. I have to place here. I have to do this. I have to race a certain number of times to pay my bills and to have that relieved is just, it's such a gift and you're probably racing better because of that. Oh, absolutely. Anybody would be right. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, I, I ran a little 10 K here in Vancouver this summer and I did a workout before and after like just little ones. And it was just one of those, like go out there and run hard. And I ran, it was like around the seawall where I run all the time. It's 10 minutes from my house. I was fourth overall, I think. And I ran my second fastest 10K on the road ever. And so it's, I I really think when you're just running, just because you love it, because it fits in well, like all these things without have to travel somewhere, have to do all this, you're going to run well. Like I remember you'll surprise yourself. So I think that was the same. I think a lot of people run really well in like their little time trials during COVID and stuff. Right. So then again, the pressure was on in Berlin for me and uh, I did, you know, that was, I had a lot of pressure in Berlin. It was kind of like, if I didn't run well in Berlin, I would not have secured my funding from athletics Canada. Like it was basically like a, either you run really well or you are kind of cut off the list. And also like I, you know, I have a, a bonus from, from ASICs that I really wanted. So, (laughs) you know, those are big things. And I, uh, yeah, I wanted to, I needed to run well there. So there was still pressure. Definitely. I do still deal with pressure. I don't want everyone to think it's all just like, it's all just fun and rainbows and unicorns. Like I still deal with a lot of pressure because I want to do really well. Um, but it's not like a do or die. Hey everybody, a quick break here to thank Prevenex for supporting this episode of the podcast. Prevenex is the best place to get your multivitamins and supplements. And let me tell you, their protein powder is a huge hit at our house. After a long run, I will always have the Prevenex protein powder ready to go, shake up with water and a banana. That is like my quick refuel. You're getting protein, you're getting carbs, and it tastes delicious too. They have chocolate and vanilla. My kids also love it. We make protein smoothies. They sprinkle it on their bananas with peanut butter and protein powder. It is so delicious. Um, And the product I really want to tell you runners about is their joint health. Their joint health supplement delivers ingredients that are clinically proven to offer the most comprehensive and complete joint protection and relief on the market. And here's the deal. If you are not satisfied, they have a money back guarantee. They believe in their products. They know they work. And if you aren't satisfied, they want you to have your money back because they want their products to work for you. 
Um, also check out their kids' vitamins if you have kids. They have really delicious kids' vitamins that are made with vitamins, minerals, and antioxidants that support children with no added junk or preservatives. It's a really good quality product, and they also donate a bottle to malnourished kids around the world when you purchase one. So again, that's Prevenex.com. Use the code ANOTHER for 15% off your order. Okay, Berlin though. What did Athletics Canada say? Like, did they have a specific time or place you had to do? What was it? (laughs) So um, essentially when, kind of how it works with Athletics Canada is like the better you get, the harder it is to continue being like funded, right? Like, you know, which opens opportunities for the younger athletes because, and you know, it's good. So I had to either be like top eight at world championships um, or the top eight standard at a world major, which was, okay. was kind of the, which 225.15 was sort of the time they had given me that, you know, if you don't run under that, then we, you're not guaranteed like the, to be selected. So, um, not to say that I wouldn't have, but like there's, it would be, a, it would have been pretty unlikely if I ran slower than that, that I would have been selected. So yeah, I knew that like, and I wanted to run that Canadian record. So I knew that I had to, had to, run. and I knew that I was fit and ready to do it. So it was like after Boston, the disaster in Boston, I was like, please, like, please. Was your PR before this? I didn't write it down. Was it 226? Yeah, 226.19. That's huge. So three full minutes, pretty much. Yeah, a little over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So we have your, the first marathon, the 235, we have the marathon project. We have Boston. What am I missing? What race am I missing? And we have this one, obviously. The Olympics. (laughs) Obviously (laughs) we just covered, we just covered Uh it in depth. (laughs) That's it though. Right. Like the Mm -hmm. 235 marathon project Olympics, Boston, Berlin. What happened in Boston? (sighs) (laughs) I mean, we've tried to analyze that until we're blue in the face. And what I came up with is it just wasn't my day. Mm. And that happens in the marathon. Yeah. And I think when you, you know, I've had a few races like that. I think anyone that's run a marathon has had a day that they just suck. And that's what happened to me. I, I can't really quite figure it out. Like training had gone quite well. I had my last, one of my last workouts before. I mean, I ran 70.01 at the New York half. I was battling it out with Lindsay Flanagan and Charlotte Purdue. Like I was mm. like, hey, I'm run, racing with these two girls that are amazing. I'm fit. I, you know, I had a really great workout three weeks out. I averaged 325 kilometers for 27K of work, which indicated, you know, I should be in about, you know, 225-ish shape, which is kind of where we thought that I was. And then I had done a ton of training on the hills. Like I thought I was ready. That week, I just felt off and I couldn't put my finger on it. My runs didn't feel good. My last couple of workouts didn't feel good. And I had this feeling in my gut. And I remember trying on my race uniform the night before and I had just got it. And I, I had been like carbo loading and I felt like bloated uh-huh. and disgusting. I honestly had tears in my eyes. Like I just was, didn't feel confident. And I know that's like a kind of a crazy thing to say is like, I'm a very fit, but like, I just, in that moment, I was like, I just don't feel fit. I don't feel ready. And that was, that's not really me. Like, mm-hmm. so I just knew something was wrong. And 
just lining up. I just, I was hoping for the best, but I had this bad feeling. And by 10 K, you know, I was, if it just like felt so hard and I was running the lower end of my marathon pace, my legs just fell off. I had a side stitch, which is really random for me. Yeah. And I just, I tried to just relax and I couldn't. And by the time I got to the hills, Mm. I ran like a 430 K going up one of those hills and I got to the top and I was crying and just, oh, just a disaster. And I, I remember just trying to like, okay, like I was then running like 355 kilometers. <laughs> I was like, okay, like you can run faster. Just try to move your legs. Like you're okay. And they would not go any faster. It was like, I hit, you know, marathon legs where they yes. get like 40 K and you're like, oh my God. It would happen at like 25K where they just shriveled and I could not run any faster. And then you panic, right? The panic sets in and your whole body just goes into this like my central nervous system was shot. And like it was just basically the worst I could have imagined is what happened to me on that day. And But I finished and I'm really proud of myself for that because the easiest thing to do would have been to step off the course. But totally. Yeah. The crowd was great. And I have never dropped out of a race except for one cross country race when I had strep throat. So I'm trying to keep that um, record alive of not dropping out. So I learned a lot and uh, I'm glad I had that race because I think everyone needs everyone not needs, but everyone's going to have a bad marathon. It's got to happen. So it happened there. And then kind of in Berlin, I was like, it's not likely you're going to have two really shitty races in a row. So I had a lot more confidence going into that one that like, it was going to be good because I had the bad one. <laughs> did you even, did you consider dropping out? Like, were you like, I should? Um, yes, because I, I was really hurting and I felt awful and I knew how slow I was going to run. But at the same time, my coach was there my partner was there. And like, I knew I could, I knew that I could get to the finish line no matter how, how slow I was. And I'll be honest. At one point I was like, right, I'm still third master. That's like mm. 1500 US dollars. Okay. <laughs> you know, little things like that. I'm like, that's not a drop in the bucket. How'd like, you that's know? A little... How'd you know you were third master though? Were you just kind of- Because there was only three knew? of us in the elite field. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I knew no matter what, like if you finish, you're going to get that third masters, yeah. you know? And usually like, I'm not thinking about prize money in a race, but when you're at that point where you're like, <laughs> you got to cling to anything you can. <laughs> yes, exactly. All my like A, B, C, D, E, F, G goals have all been gone out the window. <laughs> this is like Zed goal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And that's wild because normally you're not thinking, I mean, you're, you're freshly a master really this year, but like, you're not thinking about master's divisions running no. the 223 marathon. No, no, no. So you're glad you experienced it, even though it was awful in the moment, you took a lot from the experience. Yeah. You know, like I was, I was shook that day. I mean, I, I remember getting back to the hotel room and I was sitting on the side of the bed and just like tears, just like falling down my eyes. And I'll never forget this. Like my partner had been waiting to get back to the room. Love him. But like he needed to do like a trade. <laughs> he had been. So he's on his computer. Like, like stock market it. trade? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and so he's on his computer like doing this and like rubbing my back with like the other hand. <laughs> you know, and that's one thing that I, I really love about Alan is like he just keeps it real. Like, yes, it's running. But he's the first person 
to say it's just a race, no matter how good it goes. Like Berlin was awesome. It was like, let's celebrate it. And then it's like, okay, that's enough. And same with like, you know, he's like, okay, like she's sad. And then like midway through the day, he's like, okay, let's go have lunch. Like we're going out with the, everybody tonight. Like it's fine. And we went to Cape Cod the next day and we had a great time and life goes on. And honestly, nothing changes. Like we wake up the next day and life goes on. We're happy. And I'm very fortunate to have a partner like that, that isn't, a, you know, he's a runner, but not like me. So he just is kind of like, yeah, you ran well, or you didn't run well. Like, so yeah. Everything was fine after Boston. And I realized like I, it didn't impact me the same as it used to when I didn't run well, I guess it just, it wasn't as devastating. Yeah. It keeps you grounded. Yes. Yes. Very much. Yeah. I wonder how challenging that is for people who have partners who are just all in with that one thing as much as they are. And it might not be running, but whatever it is like that would probably be pretty challenging because you're both so in it. Mm hmm. Yeah. Good for Alan. Uh, <laughs> thank you, Alan. Yeah, we love Alan. <laughs> Does Alan love cats as much as you love cats? No. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. Uh, he tolerates my cats. Uh, he snuggles <laughs> them once in a while. But uh, yeah, I, I volunteer at a cat shelter and I'm constantly like, can we foster? Can we blah, 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 please. Can we adopt another one? And he's just like, absolutely not. So <laughs> yeah, I've been begging to, to foster for a while and he's like hard. No. So you got to both be yeah. all in on that. Yeah. So people are like, just bring them home anyways. And I was like, well, that's not really how our relationship works. I'm not going to just <laughs> do something that he absolutely doesn't want. So <laughs> Um, so we touched on you running in the master's division. Now you turned 40 last year. Mm -hmm. did, okay. I'm going to be turning 40 next year. Did you have any like issues with that mentally or like, I'm just so curious, someone who's approached it just a, a little bit ahead of me. Like, why am I so nervous about this number? I don't know. I was excited. Um, I think too, because I, I had women like Melindy, Lisa Whiteman, Sinead Diver, you know, like absolutely crushing it and they were 40 so I was like all right I was actually excited to be 40 because I was like now I have master's records to go after too so yeah I had no issues with it like I didn't have any oh my god I'm 40 so I'm also the youngest of most of my friends and Alan's older than me so that's great <laughs> <laughs> you still feel really young yes yep yeah do you feel like things have changed at all though in the last couple of years in regards to like recovering and how you train and are, do you watch things a little bit differently? Definitely recovery um, takes me longer. Uh, I still, you know, take a day off every 10 days during my okay. marathon builds. I do elliptical two to three days a week as well. So always. Um, so I'm doing a little, some, some more things, some more recovery style things and maybe when, uh, runners in their twenties might do in a marathon build. Like a lot of marathon runners don't take days off, but they take like one a month. So I think I'm one of the odd ones that can, can continues to take a day off every 10. So do you look forward to the day? Very much. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you do it. on that day? Whatever I want. Usually <laughs> sleep in, um, <laughs> uh, brunch is always a nice one to do. Uh, you know, whatever I want to do and not have to worry about running. Um, Sometimes it'll fall on a day where I might have strength training or Pilates or massage. So there's usually something that I'm 
doing, but I'm not running and I'm not cross training. Mm. So I take a complete day off. Always? Like, have you always done every 10 days? Uh, No, I used to be once a week. Okay. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Why'd you change it? Why'd you shift? Only, I only shift during a marathon cycle, really. Yeah. Just when we started training for marathons, I didn't, I wanted to get my mileage higher. Um, So we did a 10 day cycle and it wasn't exactly every 10 days. Sometimes it would be 11. Sometimes it would be 12. Sometimes it would be seven. Like it really depended on where I was at and how I was feeling. And one of the benefits of being sort of just me training by myself and Mm -hmm. having, you know, Trent sending me my workouts is like, he, we can change things anytime we want. So he will be like, okay, your day off is now tomorrow instead of two days from now, like, Mm -hmm. or your workout is now shifted. And like, which is, you know, I, I, I miss having a team and having, having people, but at the same time, it's so nice to be able to decide what we do based on how I'm feeling. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's gotta be key in staying injury free too. Like you're totally going based on your body. So you're running your biggest, beefiest long runs around every 10 days. Yeah. Yeah. Basically we, it would be like that. Yeah. Every, we kind of alternated between one weekend would be like a long progression run. And then the next weekend would be like interval style, um, marathon sessions, like four by six K four by five K like things like that at marathon pace. And then every second weekend would be like two hours, 10 with the last 30 minutes at MP, you know, something like that. So we went back and forth, but usually once a week I had something long and hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so everybody, y'all thought this was a Berlin marathon recap. We're just now getting to actual <laughs> Berlin, but I do want to hear about Berlin a little bit more like your pacing, who you, who you ran with all the details of like fueling and all that. I, I listened to you on the Canadian women's podcast. That is a great in-depth Berlin recap if anybody wants to hear like super detailed on that. But I I listened to them and you told the story about your bottles not being there in the race. And I'm like, what the heck? Yeah, that was um, definitely not cool. (laughs) Not cool at all. Like, how did that even happen? (laughs) I have no idea. I mean, I will say when we did the bottle drop um, the day before, it was like, it was really busy and it seemed a little... I was a little nervous, to be honest, like leaving my bottles there. Like, are you going to get in the right bins and stuff? Anyways, so <laughs> of course, like I have a, I have a bottle every 5K and I have gels taped to my bottles. And I knew that the 5K gel was like, I was only supposed to take half. So I wasn't that concerned. But I also knew like, I mean, my coach is a scientist. Like he's a physiologist. Like I know how important feeling is like, especially early on. Yeah. Like, so you don't wait until you're like dizzy and like, Suh. so <laughs> I go by the first bottles, not there. I'm like, whatever, maybe got knocked over. I go by the 10 K and it's not there again. And I'm like, Oh my God. So I'm like, I'm in this like pack of guys, like all these random dudes that were like in the semi elite field had like, um, attached to me and Tony and we're like, we want to run 224 too. So they were, we were all running together, which was so awesome. Like we had this awesome pack. And so I was like, does anyone have a gel? And one guy was like, I have a Morton. And I was like, can I have it? He was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> so um, he gave me his Morton gel. I'd never taken a Morton before. 
Um, and I've always like my golden rule is like, don't try anything new on race day. We all know that, right? You, know, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't try gel you've never had before. It's <laughs> dumb, but I didn't have a choice. Like, you had to I get knew. that in. Yeah. Like- yeah. And like, I'm very fortunate that I haven't had a lot of stomach issues. So I actually practiced with a number of different gels over this marathon build and none of them gave me issues. It was all just based on the taste. Mm. So um, I had heard that Morton's were absolutely disgusting um, and it was fine. It was no issues. So Morton, you're Good listening. Job, Morton. <laughs> I'm very interested in your product. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I got that down, but I definitely... I panicked. I was kind of like, my job, my bottles aren't going to be there. What are we going to do? And Tony was like, okay, I have bottles as well. I have Morton drink. Um, so we can sort of share those. Then there's gels in the course. But they don't start till 20 K. Wow. So I was kind of like, what are we going to do? We're going to, I'm just going to have to make the best of it. Like we'll figure it out. Like just try to stay calm. And I think a few other guys sort of pitched in the group that like, yeah, like we've got maybe extra gels. I don't really remember, but I remember feeling like, okay, we would make this work. And part of me was like, if I can find Alan, because he was on a scooter, <laughs> of course, <laughs> I can yell to him, like, get to the aid station, find out where my bottles are. Maybe we could try to figure out or get Tony to run ahead mm-hmm. to tell somebody. Um, and Tony's and your pacer. Tony's my pacer to try and figure out these things. So Anyways, come 15K, my bottle was there and there was no more issues. So I think that my bottle was the first one on the table. I think it had just been knocked over the first two. It's unfortunate that there was nobody there to pick it it up. up. Yeah. Yeah, Someone should be watching for that. Yeah. So it all ended up being fine. And I had no other issues with, with hydration or gels. And one of the cool thing about that group was all the other guys just, they didn't have bottle stations. Right. So And I had, I don't know if you guys know this, but because of Kipchoge, we, there was stations every, like almost every three or 4k. So I had put bottles at 13 tables. So some of them didn't just, were just, I didn't really need, they were just water. And so I was passing my water around to the guys, which was nice. Anyone that was in the group, I was like, who needs water? Cause uh, it's a lot easier to drink water from a squeezy bottle yeah. than it is those freaking plastic cups, which I had to use. And I didn't get my bottles. So. I mean, I cannot imagine you grabbing one of those cups running a 223 marathon. Like I can't I mean, even I did. believe that you had to do that. You know, we would have, I think ultimately it would have been fine. Um, as long as I was able to get in those gels every, you know, basically six to seven K. Um, it wouldn't be ideal, but like the key is to not panic. <laughs> so which is it's that's such a good telling story because people panic when things don't go how they think they're going to go early on and you went on and set the Canadian record in the marathon but I did continue to get my bottles so <laughs> all right everybody one more quick break here to tell you about Viori are you wearing those performance joggers yet Viori has the most comfortable, flattering, versatile outfits on the market. I am telling you what, I have three pair of the performance joggers and I love them so much. I wish I could wear them 24 seven. I basically do. Uh, They have a men's performance jogger as well. And what I love about their clothes is they're, they're super soft and comfortable but you can kind of dress them up a little bit so you don't look like you're just in workout clothes, but they're also 
really good for working out in as well. They have really cute tanks that have a really great style. Like I like a high neck tank top and they have a lot of high neck tank tops. Go check them out and for 20% off, you can just go to viori.com slash another and that'll directly apply 20% off your order. As long as that's an email you haven't used with that code before, um, it's viori, V-U-O-R-I.com slash another and you'll get 20% off your order when you go to that exact landing page. We'll put it in the show notes at sandyboyproductions.com. Just click on this episode and you'll find it. Uh, you can also get our show notes emailed to you directly. You can sign up for that at the website as well, sandyboyproductions.com. All right, friends, I hope you enjoyed the rest of our conversation. Tony's your pacer. What was his, what's his marathon PR? Like, was this still a pretty swift pace for him? It's got to be, right? Yeah, yeah. I think Tony's run about, I want to say 217, but I'm not 100% okay. sure. Yeah, yeah, so he he was working. Yes. But yeah. he's There's some pictures of him. him. <laughs> yeah. He's where he was working. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tony is pretty, he's pretty soft-spoken. So the first bit was quite quiet, which was great. You know, you need to be conserving your energy and stuff, but there was a little chatter between, between the group and, and us every once in a while checking in, how's everybody doing and stuff. And then around 20 K it was like, we need to, you know, we need to pick it up and, and uh, he's like, all right, all right. And then, but, you know, he, he would say like in the latter stages, like he was a lot more like, all right, let's go, let's go, like, come on. And he was raising his hands to the crowd to get them to cheer. And yeah, he was, he was really great over that last 10 K when we had just dropped the pace so much. And there were a few times when I was like, Did, have we slowed down? And he's like, no, he's like, we're running really fast. Or, I don't even remember what he said, but it was something nice. And <laughs> So yeah, he was awesome. You ran 90 seconds or two minute negative split like crazy, right? A minute and 20 something seconds faster over the second half. Wow. And so how much of relying on him were you doing to, he knew that you wanted to break the record. He knew what those ABC goals were. So were you just like totally like, I'm yours, let's go. 100%. Yeah. Really? Is that hard to do? Uh, a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's so nice. Let me like, but to just let go and completely trust somebody. Um, yes, but immediately we were running perfect paces. So I knew like he's doing a fantastic job. So I just let it go. And I had taken my auto split off my watch and I was just hitting it at the 5k mats. Um, and so I knew roughly where I had wanted to be for the 5k's which gave me a bigger range. Like, it's not like, oh, I want to be running 325 kilometers because your GPS is off. You know, you don't know. So it's much better to go. This is a good marathon tip for all of you out there. Turn your auto split off and sort of look at the 5K mats because your GPS generally will be off like, what, almost 400 to 600 meters sometimes by the time you finish. So that's pretty significant. Yeah. Um, So go with those 5K mats and that way you're not like, Oh, I was off like one second per mile or whatever. So yeah, I gave myself about a 10 second range where I wanted to be in that in, in those five Ks. Okay. And I was we were right in there. Yeah. So um when we went through halfway, we were a little slower than I'd want. We were on the absolute slowest end. Okay. Um 112 flat was where I wanted to be, and we were 112.20. So I was kind of like, I knew we were on pace to set the Canadian record, but I was also like, we don't really have any wiggle room now. 
Like I cannot slow down, but I also felt so good. And I knew that I could pick up the pace. So that was a really great feeling to be like, all right. Like I, I was like, I know that we're going to, we're going to set this Canadian record today. It's just like, there's that 5% chance or that small chance. Like when you're feeling that good, that like you can still get to 38 K 39 K and bam, you're done. Like there's still that chance. So that was still in me. But for the most part, I was pretty confident that we could pick it up. I just didn't realize that I could run that much faster over the last 10 K. So, but yeah, that's when like there was women to catch and that made, that was huge. So we just, we, we would pass one woman and we would see another one like hundred meters up and I'm like, let's get her. So that's, I think also what helped us, helped us drop the pace so much is we were constantly chasing women mm-hmm. all the way to the last K. So we were just, I was just hanging on to Tony and we were just, I felt like we were just like sprinting through the streets of Berlin through that last 10 K. Like it was pretty cool. <laughs> that's so awesome. How do you keep that doubt out of your mind? Like you said, there's always that little chance that you're going to get to 39 K and be like, uh Oh, things are awry. Like, you know, it's there, you know, it's a possibility. So how do you stay away from thinking about it? Stressing about it's going to do nothing but ruin your race. So all you can do is prepare, um, prepare physically and prepare mentally. So I was, I was ready and waiting for that pain to hit. And when it did, I knew like, you've trained for this, you are ready for this, you can persevere, you can endure trust your body. So those were all the things that I was saying and ready for, like, no matter how hard it got, like, I was going to fight, I was going, I've been fighting and training, like, so you just hope that it wouldn't be like, like a, anything significant where you literally like you had some sort of major side stitch or mm-hmm. like something that you couldn't fight through. But I was ready for when it got really, really hard, that it didn't mean that I wasn't fit. It didn't mean that I wasn't going to run well. It meant that I needed to work really, really hard and be ready. So I think having that, you know, mental preparation was huge. When did it get really hard? I remember around 38K. um, That's when I was like, it was kind of a blur and it was really hard. And I had asked Tony, like, how much have we slowed down? And he was like, that was our fastest K or something like that (laughs) because we were, that's why it felt, I mean, so hard. We were running so hard, but I remember around 40 K being like, okay, like this is really hard, but I also knew I could make it to the finish line. And I slowed down a little bit the last two K, but I mean, I was running three twenty ones instead of three, you know, three eighteens or whatever we had been running previously. I think we even dropped a three thirteen at one point around 37 K or something random like that. So yeah, I mean, it, it never got hard like it did in, um, and I remember in the Olympics thinking in the last 2K, like it was pretty horrible. And in Arizona, like I was really nauseous. So I didn't feel any of those things. Like it was a lot better. <laughs> and that's your fifth marathon. So do you think the like experience from like knowing what that end of marathon pain feels like? was why it didn't feel as hard? Why do you think it didn't feel as hard? Are you just that much fitter? I think a number of things. Yeah. I think one is I was a lot fitter and I had had two years of consistent marathon training under my belt. We had done a lot uh, more, not a lot, but we've done more mileage. We did a lot more longer runs. I think that was huge. Like I just, I was a totally different level and 
also the conservative start was really, yeah. really important, you know, like, you know, start conservative. <laughs> it's so and hard to do. Don't run above your fitness level early on. Like yeah. you've got to, if it feels, that's the challenging part about the marathon. Like if I hadn't had Tony there, I would have gone out faster because it felt so good. Mm-hmm. Like it is so hard not to go hard when you feel that good. I'm not even saying hard, but be like, Oh, pfft. 322 is off the bat. What, what? Like, this is no big deal. Right. Cause I was running, you know, 325s off the bat and it felt so smooth and so easy that I, w- I kept clipping his heels. I want to go faster. I want to go faster. But the key is to like, be confident, be patient, know that like, that's where you need to be. It's important to feel that easy so that when it gets hard, you can actually run faster instead of the opposite, which is what a lot of us do is we, you know, naturally you go out, and you want to you want to run it early on. You're you're racing. It's not supposed to feel quite that easy, but it has to be in the marathon. So you want it. So you're hurting a little bit too soon. And so when it starts to hurt a little too soon, it hurts a lot more <laughs> when you get to 35k. <laughs> it's such so. an interesting concept to me too, though. When you run as fast as you do, because even though you it felt easy to you you're running so fast that it's still got to be an effort, right? Okay. Let, let me, can you explain this? Let me rephrase the word easy. Okay. I'm going to say hard, but controlled. Okay. Completely in control. Yeah. Feeling smooth, feeling confident that I can pick it up. That is how I felt. I wasn't feeling um, like, okay, this is good, but this is, this is a hard good, right? Like, Generally, when I'm running like a half marathon, I'm like, this is hard, but this is a hard good. And then when, it's, you know, like that's kind of a little different level. Mm-hmm. And I got, you know, it's hard to explain, but um, you have to feel you're running for two and a half hours. You have to be able to feel, you know, comfortably uncomfortable, I guess, is the only way to. And that's just you get there by training and knowing that like, yeah, you can run at this like comfortably uncomfortable. So I wouldn't say easy. Let me yeah. rephrase that. But <laughs> this was no jog for the first half of the marathon. No, no, I'm not jogging, but I'm definitely <laughs> in a zone where I'm like, this is good. I feel like a flow. Yes. There, I like it. Yes. No. Like um, I, I could talk. I could talk. Yeah, but you didn't hardly, right? No, because you also have to conserve your energy. <laughs> um, I know better. You cross the finish line. You realize as you're coming in, like you've, not only broke the record, you've like really broke the record and you're way faster than you realize. What were those thoughts going through your head? I mean, it's, it's hard to try to put into words. Like, I think I was just really overwhelmed and like a little like relieved a bit. Like we did it. Like I, I knew I've never been so confident. Like it was kind of like, it was my rate race to lose, I guess. Like I knew I was ready. I knew I could do it. But I also knew everything had to, had to have the perfect race, the weather, the pacer, all the things had to go in my favor. And I knew if that happened, I could do it. 100% I knew I could do it. So I was just kind of like, yes, <laughs> we did it. But in all of my visualizations, I'd always imagined myself crossing the finish line, like bursting into tears. Mm-hmm. And I didn't cry. I didn't cry. I think you're just so tired. You're just like really mm-hmm. happy. And then you're seeing all the people and um yeah just like really happy and kind of just like what just happened like did I actually just run that like oh my god like and where's where are my parents and yeah uh, and then like what place was I 
I like totally thought I was top 10. And he's like, you were 12. I was like, really? I just tried to do 23 and I was That's 12. wild. Yeah, I know. I was like, what? There was actually some people that, not a lot, but there's always those trolls out there, you know, like that had commented on the CBC article about me breaking the record. They're like, yeah, but she was 12. Why are we celebrating uh. like her being 12? And I was like, wow, I'd hate to be your kid. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> It's like, wow, thanks. <laughs> thanks a lot. Fastest Canadian woman ever here. Yeah. Oh my but like, god. Like they're like, oh, she was still 12. Like, boo. <laughs> What's oh. your marathon PR, buddy? Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I'm so happy for you. This is really exciting. Do you have thoughts of what you're gonna do in the spring? You know, it's kind of hard because we're still waiting for the um Olympic criteria to come out. Sure. Um, so that will change. My race plans, like um, Canada's a little different than the U.S. We don't simply have a trials and they pick the top three at the trials. Um, last Olympic cycle, we had a trials. They picked our winner from trials in standard. And then then the next two, like fastest times, the next two, actually the next two people at Athletics Canada's discretion. So not even the next two fastest. It was up to them to decide. So. Um, they could do that again, or they could go back to other years where they just took the top three women at their discretion. Wow. So if they put the trials back in Toronto, that will be next fall. So I would want to run it to guarantee that top spot. Okay. If they don't, I would like to run world championships in Budapest at the end mm -hmm. of August. You okay. can't really do both. That's the problem, right? Toronto is October, mid-October, and Budapest is the end of August. So you can't really run both. So um Spring marathons, you know, I, I'm not sure yet. Like we'll see I mean, how things yeah. go, but maybe London, who knows, maybe something in Japan. I don't know. We'll see. I should probably start reaching out to some of these marathons and see if they want you. Yeah. <laughs> they, they better. Um, yeah. The, cause the trials that kind of like everything kind of has to go around that. I can't believe we're just a little over. Well, I guess the U.S. trials were a little bit over a year out from that, but your trials or you, you have to be in Toronto if that's the deal. You don't have to be. I mean, you can gamble and like not go for one of those top spots, which, yeah, I mean, but you don't want to really play that game. Like, no, unfortunately, our last time around that Olympic cycle, uh, Rachel Cliff had set the Canadian record in 226 57. And she didn't make our Olympic team. Um, yeah, you know, you never know. She didn't run the trials. She went to world championships in Doha instead. You think she thought she had, she had it? I don't. I, I mean, I can't yeah. say that. But, you know, it's when you set the Canadian record, you're pretty confident that you're probably going to make the Olympic team. And, um, yeah, she didn't go and run. And not to say that if she had run, she would have won. That's the other thing, right? Like sure. she would have had to run beat Dana and Dana ran 229 flat that day. So you, you know, you don't know, but if you don't give yourself that chance, you know, so and then the pandemic hit, I ran a marathon and I felt bad because I took her spot. And <laughs> so so hard. Yeah. So like you gotta learn from that and be like, it doesn't matter if you're the Canadian record holder. Um yeah, you need to go and secure that spot. So if they put it there, I will definitely go and run. Yeah, I don't think it should be in Toronto. I think it's too early. It's mm -hmm. I think we should have a trials like you guys do mm -hmm. closer to 
February, March, but then there's the, well, where is it going to be? Where is it going to be? And all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, I don't know, figure it out, <laughs> but <laughs> I'll be there. not in, not in October. So yeah, that's so early considering when the Olympics is. Yeah. Oh, well, I'll be excited to see what you end up doing. I'm just going to assume you're going to be in Toronto if that's, <laughs> that's the case. Yeah. And you know, like part of me is kind of like, maybe I'll jump on the track, try to run a fast 10,000, like in the spring. put on those super spikes. Like I haven't done a 10,000 in the super spikes, like give it a go. Super like spikes. I know. Yeah. I, I actually had never had my hands on a super shoe and I went to a running store the other day and picked up the Nike, the vapor flies. And I was like, everybody is running on a freaking trampoline. I did not realize <laughs> how, how much this really was. I literally never laid my eyes on it up close. Oh yeah. The shoes these days are great. Like crazy. Anyone that says that the shoes have not had an impact in the running times is crazy because we all know that they have. So yeah. Yeah. And then the super spikes are also awesome. I was able to do a couple of track workouts in the summer in them and like, they're fantastic. So Maybe I'll jump on the track. Maybe you'll see me at Peyton Jordan. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll wrap up here. You know, I always do my end of podcast questions, which you've done in the past. But do you have? On. Do, okay, cool. We'll do it again. Because you've done so much since the last time. So um, now in 2022, what is something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Well, I have started doing some coaching. Very, yes. Yeah. I'm just, I'm coaching four ladies and they're all friends and they're fantastic. And I've absolutely loved it. So I want to get more involved in coaching. I have taken some courses. So that's where I want to be when I retire. So uh, my goal over the next uh, couple of years is to um, really sort of build my business um, and get myself ready for when I retire, you know, over the next five years. That's so cool. And how valuable it is to work with Trent, your coach, and learn all the the fueling stuff and all the things that he brings brings to you. Yeah. And Trent's actually married to Hillary Stellingworth, okay. who's a two-time Olympian. And she is the um, distance coach at the University of Victoria. Uh, she coaches a whole bunch of female athletes, including um, our Canadian 3000 meter steeplechase record holder, Jen D. Vallon. So um, I kind of have like two coaches. <laughs> I That's have Trent and then his wife, Hillary, who's also the same age as me. So lots of fun. We get along really well. So, and then I have Lynn still in my corner who I'm just so fortunate. I have a wealth of knowledge to basically have two mentors, you know, Trent and Lynn to learn from. So I'm very lucky. That's awesome. and I want to pass that on. Like, I feel like it's my duty to pass that on and we need more female coaches. So yes, we do. I love that. Uh, what's the best, most recent book you've read? I don't read very often, sadly. What are you watching? Are you binging any good shows <laughs> on your day off? Yes. <laughs> um, Bachelor in Paradise. I'm saying <laughs> that with my head looking down as I'm mortified to admit that. Um, I do love The Handmaid's Tale. Okay. I am deep in that. Um, can't even remember the last book I read that I liked. Um, the Silent Patient, maybe. Very oh, good. Yeah. Very yeah. good book. Yeah. Yeah, that is a good one. I read that during the pandemic. It's kind of kind of creepy. Yes, I like creepy books. I have a degree in criminology, so okay. I like stuff like that. Yeah. You like true crime. Do you listen to true crime podcasts? 
No, but I should, if you, you can should. recommend some. Yeah. Yeah. I don't listen to him. My sister does. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll send you what she listens to. Okay. Um, well, let's wrap up. What's your last message to leave with the audience today? Never give up on your dreams. Okay. I am 40. I've been running since I was in elementary school. Never in my wildest dreams. I think I would be setting a Canadian record at the age of 40. So um, don't let injuries stop you. Don't let life stop you. Whatever it is that you want to do, keep on dreaming. Anything's possible. And remember to have fun along the way. <laughs> have that glass of wine if you want to. Jonathan Marcus, you can stuff it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope people from Twitter get that <laughs> reference. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Natasha. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right, everybody. Thanks for being here today. Thank you, Natasha, for coming on the show. So honored to have you back on the show. I'm so pumped for you. Excited to see what is in store for you. You all can follow Natasha, Tasha Wodak on Instagram. I'd love to connect with you as well. I am lindsayhine626 on Instagram, at lindsayhine on Twitter. And we have a great Facebook group where we'd love to connect as well. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. You can learn more about all of our shows when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. Definitely check out our most recent edition, the Ready to Run podcast, where we're talking all things running, injury prevention with a sports medicine physician and a physical therapist, Dr. Efren Kabalis and Kurt Roser. It's a great podcast with so much great info and great guests over there as well. And I personally also host a podcast for parents called Why Is Everyone Yelling? Something I hear myself saying often. Thank you for being here. Have a great rest of your day and uh, we will see you next week on the podcast.